I think it's going to rain and it's going to stop. This is I Am a Griefist, a childhood cancer grief journey podcast. You probably should have brought tissues, but we're already recording. Hi. 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 I'm hoping that those highs can help uh, identify each one of us, but I think... uh, Proper introductions are necessary. So I'll go first um, because Jess already said she was going last. I will be known as Aunt Jack. That's the title I was given in, when was our niece born? 2003? Mm -hmm. January. Yeah. And that's probably the proudest title I have so far. So up next is... I'm Grandma Carmen. I, let's see, was just 21 years old when I became a mom. And was 45 years old when I became a grandma. Welcome. Okay, and last but not least, me. Who's me? I'm Mama Jess. Hi, Mama Jess. I might forget to call you Mama Jess sometimes, and I'll just say Jess. Yeah, nobody calls me Mama Jess. Yeah, but you just called yourself Mama Jess. I know. So we have to adjust to that. It's weird. <laughs> it's just Mama. And don't be confused, um, Mama Jess and Aunt Jack's mom is Grandma Carmen, so sometimes yes. I might say, hi, Mom, but yeah. I'm talking about Grandma Carmen. Jess and I share the same mother. So, thank you for being here. Um, of course, of course. Tell me why you're here. Because I want to share this adventure with you. Jess, why are you here? I'm here because I love you guys, and I like sharing stuff together. I appreciate that. I think that's a good way to put it. <laughs> so let's um, take this opportunity to, to give our followers, our listeners, the story of how we got here, why we're here today, and sort of the end goal. So I'm going to actually start with you guys, and I want... Wow, Mom's already crying. Oh, boy. So do? you're going to get a lot of that. <laughs> we might take a Tissue. few pauses. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but this, you guys, just a reminder, this is real. This is a very traumatic story for us, but we want to do this to help you get through your journey as well. And this was um, our way to hopefully help others. And, and we know the challenges. We understand, you know, what we face on an everyday basis to do this. So these tears are real. Probably we might fight on here because we are very much alike. You'll get the real version of us through this podcast. So Mom, through tears, can you tell me what it was like to be a mother when you were first with your first, so our oldest brother? Oh my gosh. When you first feel the pregnancy, when you first feel this child grown within you, there's nothing like that. You start experiencing this idea that you're closer to God because you're actually feeling this human being that's a part of you growing and becoming something that that was back in the day before you knew what gender you were going to have so we didn't know to the end that until when he was born that he was a boy but it was just the idea of life it's the the awesome of life the meaning of being a mom and there's nothing like it there really isn't 
Jess, do you feel the same? Do you have the same sentiments as mom? About being a mom? Mm Mm-hmm. I would say probably got there, but initially it was <laughs> scary as heck because you were really young. Well, yeah, when you was, first got pregnant, I was twenty, and I felt like I didn't know enough to know enough. So it was initially very scary because I was like, "What the heck am I gonna do? How is this gonna change? This is gonna change my life forever. So how am I gonna survive and not only survive myself, but now clearly I'm gonna have somebody else depending on me that I also have to make sure survives." So I think you get there later. Well, I got there later, but initially I was like, what did I get myself into? What am I going to do? I think for me, um, the circumstances of like how I grew up and everything that happened growing up, I just felt like this was mine. This was, I guess the beginning stages was... I have to grow up, basically. I have to start making different decisions. But at the same time, it was like, thank God. I I got, like, someone that is mine and someone that I can make them understand what love is. Well, how old did you say you were when you first got pregnant? When I first got pregnant, I was 20, but I turned 21 a month and... So maybe five weeks before he was born. So you were both 20 when you first yeah. got pregnant. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're, wow. way, you're way behind. I'm, I'm, <laughs> okay, guys. So I don't have kids. Um, talk, so talking about those kids. So it was kind of interesting becoming an aunt because um, my sister, no, actually, but my brother first got pregnant. Well, his wife first got pregnant. And then it was like a competition between my sister and my brother. It was like a ping pong game. It was... My brother had his oldest, and then it was my sister. And then it was my brother had his middle, and then my sister again, Mm -hmm. and then back to my brother. So we have five littles all together. And becoming an aunt for the first time for me was weird um, because I'm the youngest of the three kids. So mom has three kids. It's my older brother, uh, Mama Jess, and me. And being the youngest is you get this other title of being the baby and when it was a bit of I definitely (laughs) felt a little bit of that competition because I almost felt like oh there's a new a new baby around and I I felt a little bit of insecurity like what does that mean for me you know and it was more about me I I honestly I was a little bit more selfish than well how can I help my brother with this little person hey a little bit (laughs) excuse you um but it was um it was interesting because it wasn't a role of responsibility at first it was more just selfish of like oh I'm not gonna be the youngest anymore man what does that mean for me because I I'm the spoiled one you'll you'll hear it throughout this sort of my experience with my mom Uh that's the middle kid syndrome (laughs) talking over there but you'll hear that I've, I've definitely been a spoiled rotten brat um growing up and and had complete support from my mother and you can blame my mother for that um but she'll she's all about it all day every day and so am I and so Jess I know has has had the middle kid syndrome all throughout um our lives (laughs) Uh (laughs) I wanted to bring it back to mom and ask her what it was like first becoming a grandmother. So becoming a grandmother, I think it comes with so much responsibility, but it's 80% fun (laughs) because there's no, um, I don't have to do any disciplining. 
Um, Baloney. None. Well, at the young age, no. Mm. When you first become. I mean, <clears throat> disciplining is to be had, just not by grandmothers. It's not by me. When they're tiny. So, mm-hmm. and it used to be like, I still remember, this came over and said, can you babysit? And here's a list <laughs> of to-dos and not to-dos. And I said, okay, very cool. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Scrunched up, threw it in the trash. I raised three children. What? What? <laughs> How did and you know about that, job? Jess? Hearing that. Because <laughs> we know it was you. It, was, it wasn't <laughs> me. It wasn't? It wasn't? <laughs> oh. Well, that's normal. It does I think. sound like something I would do, though. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was you. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> The only thing I wanted was like, in case they get hurt, something. But sure. It's not like I was going to leave them alone to get hurt. Yeah. So it was basically, I mean, I guess if I have to use the bathroom coming right back, it, anything can happen. But so that was the only thing I wanted just in case. But anything else is, what do you want? You want popcorn? I'll go get you popcorn. You mm. want Starbucks? It's just down the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as babies, that wasn't, Starbucks wasn't no, no, going to no. be. As the- babies, it was just. I don't think either one of them let me babysit. Really? Was, no. Neither one well, of them did anything. I think for their, yeah, when they're super tiny, it's like we just want to make sure that they're okay and that they can survive on their own. Like they go to grandma once we know, okay, if something crazy happens, they can at least me. you can figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, they could tell They me. have the experience. Yeah. No, I'm sure. thinking like they can tell. And it's not because, oh. <laughs> and it's not, it's not any reflection on, you know, grandma capacity. I think it was just as a newer parent, you know, you just want to make sure that you're, you're doing everything and taking full responsibility. Hmm. And I think for me, it just felt pretty selfish. Hey, I know that feeling. But, but I also realized when I had my own kids, I, I hate it when my mom tried to intervene. If the baby cried, she, sometimes she would take the baby away from me. And that is something that I did not want to do to my children because it made me feel like you don't trust that I can take care of my son. So Interesting. And it's not, it's not, a, it's not a good feeling when you know that you just, that's my kid. I just went through all this trauma. But again, I think because... My mother also involved in mm. that and made her go through some stuff. So, okay, but it turned out okay. It turned out okay because we <laughs> moved out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so talk about let's talk about Jess's pregnancies um, a little bit more because her oldest, from an outsider's perspective, I feel like with your first pregnancy, you was kind of just like, I'm doing this. This is this is just pregnancy. This is what it's about, and then. When the second pregnancy came in, I felt like you were gung-ho healthy. So walk us through the different experiences with your two kids. I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Hey, keep it as long as you want. We're here all afternoon. Well, with my first, I definitely was in that position of what am I doing? You know, I have no idea what I'm doing. How am I supposed to do this? So with my first, it was definitely a learning experience, not only of figuring out how to take care of myself, but figuring out how to accept that my life was going to change and accept that things were going to be different than what I had expected them to be. And then when my second came around, I was already through the experience. So I knew what was coming. And even though I knew what was coming, it still wasn't what I expected because with my first, he came slow. It took, what was it? I was in the hospital for like six, seven hours before he was born. You were in there a while. At least seven to eight, maybe, huh? Yeah. 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 That's a a cool story for me to tell. So 
I had my kids natural, no um, drugs or anything to help with the pain. And I didn't want my daughters to go through that. So I made sure when I would go with Jess to let them know that she was going to have an epidural. You were telling the doctors every single time that <laughs> I was going to have an epidural. Every single time that we went to a doctor's appointment, you came with me and you're like, by the way, she's gonna she wants an epidural. <laughs> yeah, she's going to have an epidural. You make sure you write that in there because she's going to have an epidural. So I think we waited too long. Did you go to the hospital when they sent you home and then they, you, we went back? Because I know I didn't go with you when they sent you home, but... I don't think that was with my first pregnancy. I think with my first pregnancy, I started feeling not well in the morning, and everybody was home. And so it was kind of like, let's get prepared. All right, let's go in. And we went in and kind of stay, stayed there, hung out. And, yeah, but... And I got the epidural. You mm. did, but that was that was an almost wasn't going to happen. When you got in there, they were doing shift change. And when we went in there, I said, I want to make sure on her chart it says she's getting an epidural. And they said yes. But then when the shift changed, your nurse came in and checked and said out loud when I'm in the room, oh, it may be too late for an epidural. And I asked her to come out of the room. And I told her, uh-uh, this ain't happening. Because I was in there Yes, because in of the shift change. To be able yes, to get an epidural. So right. I was transitioning through the different stages. Right. Of labor. Oh, let me tell you about the different stages of labor. Coming from a non-experienced mother, <laughs> I remember visiting and going into your room, and you were laboring pretty bad. Like you can, I could physically see the pain um, in your face and your body. You were like, you know, that was before the epidural, though, right? I'm sure. No, it was before. <laughs> Yeah, and I come in, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm probably 18 years old, 17 in high school. And I come in and I'm like, um, trying to rub your feet. And you basically were like, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh, I, I remember no. that. It was. <laughs> no, I remember that for when I was pregnant uh -huh. having the babies. I, I did uh -huh. the same thing. Yeah, I. It was. it was weird because like I wanted to help. But as a caretaker, I was like, what do we need to do to help you? This is my sister. This is, you know, her firstborn. Um, what what can I do? And I immediately was like, oop, I'm not welcome here. Well, <laughs> this I knew was not what my to place. do. They weren't just, they weren't doing it. That's the problem I had. Because as soon as you got it, you had this deep breath sigh, like, I'm okay now. I have to be honest, I don't remember a whole lot before the epidural, <laughs> but after the epidural, I remember going like, hey, this isn't so bad. What are we all hanging out here for? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so that one I feel was very different than your second. Talk us through Truly your second different. pregnancy and the labor delivery with number two. So with pregnancy number two, I definitely was more prepared so more prepared also meant I knew, like I did, I read books, I studied up, and I was like, I want to eat healthier with this one. I want to do better because <laughs> after my first, I think I gained 20 to 30 pounds. And I looked at pictures and I was like, ooh, I got pretty thick after my first one. So I was like, okay, let's try to be a little bit healthier this time so it's not so hard to get back to being healthy afterwards. Yeah, so, I remember um, throughout the pregnancy being in this room we're recording today and you doing exercise videos and eating carrots all the time and 
veggies all the time and it was it was uh very different from the first one because i don't think i saw any of that the first no one. it was a lot of in and out that's oh sure. <laughs> we're in sure. california guys so in and out's a sure. must out here but um so yeah much healthier much different mm-hmm. from the outside and it, it there it was definitely different the whole experience of laboring and everything i think oh yeah yeah with her and i didn't even have Mom there that time. I re- so the grandma. I recall because I'm I'm I get the phone calls or I get the I don't even know if we had text messages at the time or what it was. Was it pagers? Who knows? <laughs> but all I remember is getting a message somehow that Jess was going to the hospital, and I think that's the one where she got sent home. She got sent home because she wasn't too far into labor for them to keep her, so they sent her home, and it was a mistake. Because I remember there was some dramatics around driving crazy on the freeway, um, trying to get you to the hospital, and you almost didn't make it. Uh, we almost didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. I definitely wasn't prepared <laughs> for her to get there as soon as she was. So probably not an epidural needed, because she was going to come. Well, she was needed. Oh. <laughs> she was definitely needed. But yeah, there's no time. No. No. I think with her, so I think it was just, I ended up getting the doctors to a point where they're like, no, she's not going to have the baby because I did end up going in the day before, right? And because I started feeling the contractions. And so I went in and they're like, no, you're not ready yet. You're not dilated. Go home Mm -hmm. and then come back when they're, you know, so many minutes apart. And so then I was like, okay, I guess waited and waited too long i was like okay now they're that many minutes and then like within 15 minutes there was like one on top of the other on top of the other it goes fast we were supposed to drop off my firstborn with family before we went to the hospital oh and he went with right yeah i remember he was stuck uh (laughs) it was like hey do we have time to take you know take them to family and i was like nope hospital hospital now yep and so so she came out yeah, I think it was within five minutes of arriving to the hospital. That That's crazy. And I was saying, I, I felt like I was mom when I got there because I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready for the epidural. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> and they're like, I'm sorry, but you are too far along, you know. And as soon as I got onto the table in the hospital, like as soon as I sat into the bed, my water broke. And I was like, oh, shoot. How many pushes? I think it was one. One? I think it was one. <laughs> Yeah. Oh snap! Yeah, had to catch it, it that might baby, have been huh? Two. Like because I think they were like, okay, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, it was. So she made an entrance, quite the entrance. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I think I remember seeing some like, because I don't, I don't remember the department too much, but I passed by ladies that clearly had a belly, you know, and I passed like to the front of the line. They're like, get her through, get her through, get her through, and I was like, oh, these ladies are waiting, but I gotta go. Like, this is. <laughs> This is gonna happen. This is cutting in front wow. of the line kind yeah. of situation. Yeah. It definitely felt like a cutter, but it was it needed to happen. Yeah. But yeah. And so she came before I was prepared. But But we fast. were ready. It was fast and furious. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That with my firstborn. Yeah. With my firstborn on a computer game in the corner of the room trying oh, to not boy. hear the screams that were. He coming was how from, old? Yeah. Three? Yeah, three. Three. Wow. About to be four. Mm. All right. So I wanted to segment this section sending it over to jess and asking her if she can tell us what her daughter her youngest was like before diagnosis before challenges without challenges what was she like as a person what was she like as a person as a kid i would say 
She was a lot of things, of course, but she was, I would say, overall pretty shy with other people, uh, hesitant with other people. But once she got comfortable, she was a nut. <laughs> right? So it was it was an interesting transition from like, do I trust you? Are you cool? Yes, you are. Let's yeah. go play. You know? Yeah, definitely. And so, she was more reserved. I think uh, as a as a baby, I think she was easy to love. Like she was she was a good kid. Like I felt like she didn't whine a lot, cry a lot as a baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as she grew older, I felt like she was just the sweetest little thing and it might I might have a biased opinion about it because I know who who she was and sort of what she went through but any well I can remember your other kid though and having some interesting experiences with that one (laughs) I don't know if I could entirely say the same thing with him but um she was she was just like a gentle soul like I didn't feel like she was like a whiny kid or a bratty kid like I am right like I just I felt like she was just easy Besides the medical stuff, I felt like she was just an easy kid. She, yeah, personality wise, mm-hmm. she, most days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still remember days where, like, with my first potty training was a snap. It was like, hey, this is what you got to do. This is how you do it. Let's get it done. And he was like, this is what you want me to do. Okay. You know, and he did it. She was like, no. And oh. I was like, wait. No, that's, that's not how this works. <laughs> You're supposed to, you know, sit here and do this. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And it took her longer. And not because she didn't know how to do it, but because she didn't want to. Mm. So there was definitely some feistiness in her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all in good fun and all with good intention. She made emotional connections with people yeah, very quickly and very easily. Yeah, she did. And she just, I don't know if she knew what she was doing. Yeah. I don't even know if she knew what she was doing. Yeah. For sure. Well. So her life was pretty challenging early on, which was kind of surprising um, because she had just had tried to make this pregnancy the healthy one, mm-hmm. everything done right. It, but I think from the get-go, she had challenges pretty early. Like there was a, a lactose they thought was a lactose issue. Do you remember much about that? It was definitely a different experience, and I kind of maybe attributed it to, well, you know, one's a boy, one's a girl. But she was uh, definitely colicky because my firstborn ate so easy and so much, and there was no issues there. And with her, it was almost like it was hard for me to get her to eat. She would eat, but she just seemed, like, uncomfortable. Starting... Very early? Starting what, pretty with early. With the breast milk. Yeah, starting mm-hmm. pretty early. Like, I would say, just comparing the two, my firstborn ate and ate for a long time for first feeding. And her, it was, like, very quick and done. And I was like, I'm not sure that she ate. Hmm. It was just I kind of remember different. that. I kind of remember it was, so there were some concerns of her not eating enough or uh-huh. if she was even eating. And she was tiny, too. Yeah, she was little. Yeah, so. I know for a time we thought that you might be... Like whatever you ate was affecting mm-hmm. the breast milk, mm-hmm. so you tried to like. I cut out a lot of stuff from my diet. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had special holidays, <laughs> yeah. With yeah. trying to trying to figure out what it was that was causing it. I remember taking out dairy. Yeah, taking out wheat. We made mac and cheese without dairy or something. Yeah. We made everything without any dairy. The whole food stores or the um, healthier chains they have like the non-dairy stuff, and I I don't think that was 
very prevalent at the time no. to have that healthier stuff. Now mm. it's everywhere. Yeah. But at that time, it was a challenge to find things. But you could find things, um, and we just made do with what we had. But we, we tried our best to adjust because we knew there were challenges with her eating and with Jess breastfeeding, um, getting the right nutrients to her, but also trying not to affect her because there was there was something that was not like she was, it was challenging for her just to get it much. And yeah, so, I remember calling stores to make sure like if we bought fried chicken from the store, I needed to make sure what was in their ingredient list because we right. want to make sure that there wasn't anything that she couldn't have. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that was, that, did that stop at all? I think we did that. So, yeah, initially, because I kept taking her to the doctor to try to find out what was wrong. That's right. Um, and essentially, it was like they were doing tests here and there, but they're like, you know what, she's colicky, and sometimes that's what babies go through, and then they grow out of it, and then they're fine. And I think by the time that she was one, she had kind of grown out of it, I guess, but it was, it was a long year, you know? Mm. It was just... Like, it almost seemed like with uh, my firstborn, it was almost like a bonding experience to share in that moment, I guess. And for her, it just seemed like she was always uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So it was always, like, trying to figure out what is going on. Yeah. But eventually, she got to a point where it wasn't that way anymore. But it was a slow transition, and it was a long transition. Yeah. She was how old at diagnosis for? Mm -hmm. So between the time she grew out of that to diagnoses or that we'll get into the story of diagnoses was it pretty normal in between that time uh-huh okay she really didn't have a lot of issues and then diet wise there wasn't really too much but i was trying to make her eat healthy of course but i'm only one parent and i can only go so far with health half the time but sure um yeah for the most part she had she was happy healthy not having any issues like she had initially yeah so, Mom, going back to you, um, did you experience any of the similar things that Jess experienced with her second? Nothing. So this was new for you, too. This wasn't mm -hmm. like, oh, I've been there, done that. No. This is mm -mm. different. Nothing nothing in your wheelhouse. Nothing. Hmm. And I didn't know anybody that had experienced that either. Hmm. So we knew something was not right, mm -hmm. but just trying to figure out what was the biggest thing. And yeah. She was doing the right thing, going to the doctor, but... They don't check for the scary stuff. Yeah. They check just for the normal stuff. Mm -hmm. or... The most common stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you guys want to start into the story of basically pre-diagnosis to diagnosis, that's where we're going to start. I remember it starting with Jess's Halloween birthday party. Am I on the right track? Yeah. That's as far as my memory goes. Was there any time before then that you were like, hmm, this is strange? My timeline is probably not completely accurate. Mine isn't either. That's why I'm appreciative of all of you here. <laughs> I know you guys are going to help fill in some gaps of where my brain was and where you guys were in it. But what is it that you remember from the Halloween? So I, I remember the party. So it was a Halloween-themed party. We were all dressed up. And it was an event that happened that day that sort of sent... The spiral it was so the baby ate still ate very healthy Jess was really strict with their diets making sure they had like a healthy snack with every meal there was no soda it was constantly water and so I think at this party she had donuts, donuts and candy and soda <laughs> and what was surprising was she went to the restroom and 
her urine looked like soda. And I think it was a surprise for her because she never had soda. And she's like, wow, it's coming out the same way it went in, right? Like water, you know, is uh, just kind of flows through. But with, with this particular experience, I felt like um, the story was that she had saw her urine, saw it was a different color, and she was excited to tell her brother and she was like come see come see what i did this magical thing and mom's red flag went up and was like "Mm, this is this probably isn't right okay oh i think that was definitely what got the ball rolling i think just months previous before that she had started to have stomach pains Mm. and i couldn't understand it because i had taken her to the doctor because she was having like at night she was crying because of her stomach pains Mm. and i was like it definitely was reminiscent of how just uncomfortable she was when she was tiny. And I was like, this isn't right. Like it was coming back. Whatever was she experienced yeah. little. And, was... and it was not just that, but you could see she was clearly like in a significant amount of pain. Yeah. And then I had taken her to the doctor and they checked her out and they said, you know, it could be just constipation. And of course those red flags were going up because I was like, this girl eats healthy. Mm -hmm. There's no way that she could be constipated with all the fruits and vegetables and waters that I have going through her little body. I was like, it doesn't sound right. And I think um, initially when she was released after having taken her to the doctors, um, and they had said possible, you know, kidney infection. And I was like, this girl can have a kidney infection. I think they even said UTI, right? And they sent her home with antibiotics to treat a UTI Uh in a four, three-year-old, four-year-old, four-year-old, four-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. I know that they were doing the best that they could with the information that they had been given. Sure. But definitely in my brain, I was like, this is not adding up. Yeah. This doesn't seem like she would have. I mean, she's way too healthy to be having stuff like that happening. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm with her 24-7. So I know right. that, like, nobody's, you know, taking her and, you know, hurting her in some way that, that right. something like that would happen. But I was like, I'm not buying into it yet. Yeah. To figure out what's going on. And it and it didn't stop right then. It was, um, she's not getting better. It's let's do an ultrasound. Let's do a sonogram. Let's, let's try these other things because the antibiotics didn't clear up her symptoms, right? So this was, what, October 2011-ish. Well, when right? she was having the stomach pains, they had ended up sending her... So I feel like I'm getting this story confused a bit. When she had the stomach pains, they gave her the, they gave her the Miralax. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. That, that happened before that, right? Yeah. yeah. So before. Then after she was having the stomach pains with the Miralax, it like kind of helped a little bit. But it wasn't until, you know, that after that Halloween party and after she went to the bathroom that we started the whole doctor's appointments that really led us that's to right. the diagnosis. That's right. I but think yeah, what they did is they gave her a urologist, though. A kid urologist that found... A, a nephrologist. Nephrologist. So, yeah. So she had woken up... <laughs> All these One medical morning. terms were not medical professionals. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? She had she had woken up, I think it was the next morning, was it? She was going to the bathroom on her own because she was three, and she had been practicing it on her own for a while. Such a proud little one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she came out of the bathroom, and she was like, brother, 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 look, you know? And I was like, why is she so excited coming out of the bathroom? That's weird. <laughs> you know, that is so look weird. Look at this turd I just did. <laughs> This chocolate Snickers that's coming out my butt. Yeah. I was like, what is she doing? And so I kind of like stopped her as she was running out of the room. And I was like, what is it, mama? And she was just like, my pee's a different color, you know? I'm going to go tell brother. And I was like, oh. Hmm. 
show me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then we went, she didn't flash. No, she, she was saving it. <laughs> she she sure. normally this did, This was though. a surprise. Yeah. Look, brother. And then so she took me in there, and it wasn't just like a little bit of color. It was like... Soda color, like was, Coca-Cola. It was Coca-Cola. Like somebody yeah. had poured a whole Coca-Cola in there. Oh, not just like, man. Not just like a I didn't drip. See it. Or it, yeah. it was like a completely different color. And I was like, I have never seen this in my life. Yeah. I this can't imagine. This is not good, mm-hmm. you know? What, so, what, did, what went through your brain at that moment besides this isn't good? Well, I think the first thing that went through my brain was like, save your face, you know, because there's no reason to scare. You don't even know what the heck this is, you mm-hmm. know? So... Just make sure that you don't scare her, you know? So I was like, oh, okay, you know? And I was like, it was in that, it was very similar to, you know, getting pregnant first time. <laughs> what the heck what? am I supposed uh-huh. to do what now? What are we getting you into? Know, what right. the heck was, does this mean? Yeah. And so it was at that point that I was just like, okay, maybe she put something in there. Maybe... Maybe a little it's fibber. something else. A little yeah. fibber. She what, didn't really let that come really out of her. Be? Yeah. yeah. So I was like, <laughs> let me, let's see what happens the next time. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just keep an eye. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because she's running around, you know, it's not like she's like, oh, my stomach hurts or she had been feeling better. And I was like. It was the donuts. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and so I was like, I just got to keep an eye on her. Let's see what's going on. I was like, okay, mama, next time, you know, when you go to the bathroom, show me. And she was like, okay. And so then, you know. Going around, playing with her big brother, getting, you know, angry, getting into fights, playing, being silly. And then, you know, she went again and she was like, mom. <laughs> I went over there and I was just like, it's the same exact color. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing else in the bathroom that could make it that color. Right. And so then that was already later on in the day now. And I was like, okay, we need to call the doctor. Because even though she's clearly no temperature, no cough, yeah, everything's yeah. fine. But that's not fine. Yeah. So made the uh, doctor's appointment, and they had her, I think they had her come into, was it the ER or urgent care? But she was seen pretty quickly. I want to say it was urgent care. Maybe yeah. it was ER. Shoot, I don't remember. I remember it was pretty late in the evening. Mm-hmm. It to, had to be to, either yeah. ER or urgent care. Uh-huh. Most likely ER, because I don't know if urgent care stays open too late. Yeah, and they had basically, like I remember it was a late night, because they had essentially kept her there yeah, until they were able to do whatever testing and by the time we were released it was like way past her bedtime yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> no i remember you're right now you're right that's... and it was a sort of a traumatic experience for her too because it was the first time she had to get you know poked i mean she had gotten poked before but it was like okay doctor's appointment you're gonna get a shot we're yeah give you a lollipop yeah. afterwards and mm-hmm. this time it was just like oh you need to get this in there and and so it was it was rough for her but they, that, that was when they said, maybe it's a kidney infection, you know, maybe it's a UTI, but, you know, she's doing okay right now. She looks okay, so just follow up with your doctor. That, that was what it was. Yeah. You went yeah. to the emergency room, and then you had to follow up with your doctor, yeah. yeah. And then it was... The doctor made the appointment with the specialist, It was referrals yeah. at that point, right? Yeah. yeah, so it was when she went to her doctor's, uh, the doctor had done another, I, I don't know, I think it was like a urine analysis, it, it turned out that there was blood in her urine. Mm-hmm. So they were following up to see if there was continued blood in her urine. And there must have been. I can't remember, but there must have been. Because she said, okay, we're going to, you know, refer you to the nephrologist. And they're just going to follow up and continue mm-hmm. to make sure, you know, figure out what it is and make sure that she's okay. Okay. And so then we went to go see the nephrologist. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. I can't remember a whole lot. I remember going in and him kind of saying things like, it's probably not. 
you know, anything to worry about, but let's just do an ultrasound yeah. and, you know, see what we see. And, and it wasn't even like same, like that same time. It was kind of like we went home, they gave us an appointment and then we had to go into the ultrasound. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember being in the office zone. He was pushing on her belly, doing certain things and she wasn't even flinching. Like if she was in pain or anything and he didn't feel anything and i think that's what he was searching for i think was right trying to see if maybe there was a lump or mm -hmm. bulge or a growth that he can feel and he couldn't feel anything in there so that's why he said i don't think it's going to be anything scary i think those are the words he uses i don't think it's going to be anything scary yeah then we went in did the ultrasound and i remember for her she was fine she was like oh okay attention was, yeah <laughs> there was no pokes I think, yeah i think her biggest concern was getting poked and sure like okay it's just gonna be some cold gel on yeah. your stomach because she was like Ooh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> lifting yeah. up her shirt <laughs> you can do that one mm -hmm. but i think i do remember like they're taking a lot of pictures yeah they're taking mm -hmm. a lot of pictures i wonder if this is normal you know yeah. that they're because they won't tell you. Like, even with the sonogram, like, well, if you go, hey, what do you see? You can't, they can't tell you anything. Yeah, right. they're not allowed to. Right. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I just remember going, hmm. Yeah, okay. all the extra. It must be that they take a lot of pictures for everybody. Mm. But, yeah. And then it wasn't like, oh, that night they called us. No, it wasn't like, it was a few days later, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I remember that day for sure. I almost feel like they waited till they talked to the surgeon. Because remember, the surgeon was there that day. That's the first time we met that guy. Yeah. So let's. So let me fill in my gap there. Um, I was working in Long Beach at the time. And family, all you guys are like an hour and a half inland. And it was, I was at work. And I remember, I don't remember the phone call. I don't remember the message. All I remember is needing to get home needing to get to you guys into the hospital because it was like something was up we were gonna find out or you know there were all these extra tests and there were running tests or something made it so that I had drove back and I can't tell you exactly what that was but I just remember going I need to get home I need to go and um, I met you guys at the hospital and the surgeon hadn't come in yet uh, but they had done I don't know whatever test it was or exam or imaging that they did because the next thing I remember is they bringing it up on the screen and the, the surgeon well the surgeon came in and he brought it up on the screen and gave us the official diagnosis what am I missing in between there's so what I remember is a phone call mm -hmm. and you telling me they found a lump or they, they found, found a, a growth a mass they found a mass, found a mass. that's right that's right uh-huh yeah and then I just started making phone calls after that yeah and I'm sure that's what sent me home. The fact that I was getting a phone call, because we hardly ever go to the doctors because the kids are usually fine, you know? And mind you, while all this is happening, she's running around the house and she's feeling fine, laughing, screaming, getting a yeah. call with her brother, and she's completely fine. And then Normal. I get a call, phone call from the doctor, and I'm like, this isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> Why are they yeah. calling me? Yeah. Answered the phone, and it was the nephrologist, and I was like, okay. And then he was like, hey, I was just calling because uh, we have the results from the ultrasound and there was a mass that was found mm -hmm. on your daughter's left kidney. And I need you to come to the hospital now so that we can do another scan to see exactly mm -hmm. what's going on. It was like on. a CT scan, right? Uh -huh. yeah. And he was like, can you come to the hospital right now? I can get a room for you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, crap. Mm -hmm. 
crap, mm-hmm. crap, crap. And so I was like, yeah, <laughs> I can come in, you know. I mean, how do you say no to that? Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, okay, I'll let them know right now that you guys are on your way. And I was just like, oh. What was that like? For me, a lot of responsibility because I was like, what do I say? What do I say to my mom? What do I say to, to your son? What do I say to, you know, my firstborn and to her? You know, it's like, what do I say? Because at the same time, I don't even know exactly what's going on. So I'm like, how do I be the parent and be the person that's supposed to, you know, know everything and have the answers for everything when I don't? So I was like, okay. I already know how our family is, so I was like, "How is our family?" <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let's put a pause on that. Let's give let's give our, our listeners some insight. Tell me, how is our family? I feel like as long as you connect with the right person, information can move very quickly <laughs> through households. AKA mom. Got it. <laughs> so I was like, I know that if I let mom know, uh-huh. she'll let the everybody world will else know. know. <laughs> I work as a communicator. And to be honest with you, I think because, again, there was so many things that were secrets growing up. And I don't know, it, some things I think that seemed like they were exaggerated or under exaggerated to not make it as bad as it was it was very important for me to keep everybody in the know it just Mm. made sense that everybody would know what's going on instead of like gosh i had no idea this thing was going on i had no idea everybody knew that was having problems we all knew so even though it was a devastating new it wasn't so much like I mean I shouldn't even say it surprised the shit out of me because it really did but still it started making things make sense Mm -hmm. so again for me it was important that we started prayer circles and we were desperate I think I I think because this the diagnosis was like you said surprising we didn't know what else to do like we were desperate at that time and there was, I would, I would say mom was still at that point, still somewhat connected to God and the Catholic religion or, well, and the family's pretty Catholic as well, right? Yes. So we had people who, that's the first thing they did was, okay, we're praying. Besides our, your sister, my aunt, who came with El Boyo Loco to the hospital. <laughs> so. Because we forget to eat. Exactly. We, we forgot. Yeah. It was, it was a lot at once. <sighs> it came really fast. And I'm actually surprised I got there in time because it was like later in the day. The drive was tough, but I made it just before the surgeon came in. Yeah. I remember that just going, oh, I made it on time. Okay. We haven't, we have no news yet. Everyone was still trying to, you know, trickling into the room because at that point, once mom communicated to the masses that something was up, it was, everybody was there almost instantaneously before covid the whole family can be there that's right that's right that's right yeah so the surgeon comes in to the room yeah well for her it was it was definitely a long day once we got there and she had to get poked for her iv and then you know thankfully the child life therapist came in and really explained to her okay you're going to be going into this big donut and they're going to be taking pictures of you know your belly and and so uh she was definitely prepared, you know, for what it was that was coming. And once all those scans came through and, you know, by the end of the day, that's when 
it was a surgeon that let us know what her official diagnosis was and what the plan was. What did, what did he say? Um, well, I was hoping that I was still at that place where I was hoping like, okay, this could still be benign. Like yeah. there's a mass doesn't necessarily mean it's like the worst of the worst. Like it could still be, we had no idea. Possibility, we have know? no idea what we were getting ourselves into. <laughs> I was like mass, what kind of a mass? Yeah. Well, yeah. So when he came into the room, I remember him just moving really fast with information. Of course, that's how yeah. it kind of works in the medical field because you have like a whole lot of other patients that you also have to see at the, yeah. at the same time. But I remember him just going, okay, so uh, this is a Wilms tumor. It's a cancerous tumor that she has on her kidney. And uh, we're going to take it out. You know, we have plans she can have surgery tomorrow we're going to transfer her to LA but you know then he started going into you know what Wilms tumor is and you know of all the cancers this is the one that has the highest success rate pause so... right there <laughs> not only did he say that this was the cancer that had the highest cure rate he also said if my kid had cancer I'd want her to have this one because yes. it's the highest cure rate mm -hmm. what a fucking idiot I'm sorry yes in hindsight that's true so it's bad, but it's not that bad, right? It's what did he remind you of? Remember, we were talking about that. I can't remember what character was it. House, you know, he came in like all he knew exactly what he was doing. He had all this, you know, probably God attitude, I guess. Like, I got this, yeah, I got this. And we're like, we're, I was crying, and I think that's why he I, said it. I was, we were all crying. I wasn't crying, I was in shock. I, was I don't think I what he said registered. I was like, what, what, wait, what did he, did he just say cancer? Mm -hmm. Because not only that, he had the screen up of her CT scan yeah. and showed us what her kidney looked like. Her kidney wasn't there. It was like gray, right? Yeah. It was like all grayed out because the tumor had engulfed her kidney, yeah. all, like three quarters. There was like no semblance of a kidney. Yeah. Because I think you could see her other kidney on the other mm -hmm. side. Right. But this one was just. There was no, there's yeah. Yeah. I remember though, like asking or maybe they just volunteered it. Like, how could you not have seen that before? Oh, yeah. They, they almost made you feel dumb. Like, okay. And I was reading up on this before too, but typically what happens with Wilms tumor is that like somebody feels the lump. Yes. They feel something. So that sort of explains why before they were, you know, poking around in her belly. Okay, it's probably not this because they don't actually feel it. Yes. But by the time they feel it, it's big, yes. right? So um, those weren't indicators for her early on. No. So, yeah. Well, so where I was at, I didn't really feel like he was an idiot. <laughs> He was a surgeon, so I'm sure he was very good at what he did, but his bedside manner, I mean, he couldn't have known. I mean, sure. I, yeah, I feel like he was doing his best to try to give us a little bit of hope that, you know, she had a good chance of being okay. Yes. yes. And of course, in hindsight, now you realize even with a 99%, you know, success rate, you don't realize, you don't know what side of the fence you're going to fall on. Right. With, with whatever. Exactly. Right you know, survival rate that you have. But yeah, I, I feel like I was definitely in shock too because it was it was 100% way too much information mm -hmm. to try to have to understand. I'm, and I'm glad there was a lot of us in there because I feel like you, looking at mom, you heard a piece, I heard a piece, Jess yes, heard a piece. Exactly and then we it. got together after and put that puzzle piece together. I and it was after research. And yeah. Well, that's the thing is that we all started on the computer, yeah. on everything and 
contacting people that we know. Well, what does this mean? What does that right. mean? And what happens when they say this or, yeah. I mean, and, and that happened throughout the entire cancer yeah. journey because, you know, this, this isn't something we were prepared for. This isn't something you can prepare for. Right. It was just like, boom. And it starts the roller coaster of cancer journey. Yeah. And you never think it's going to happen to you. Right. Never. It happens to everybody else. Yes. It happens you all around about, you. Mm-hmm. you. You see the St. Jude commercials. So sorry for that family. I hate those commercials. Well, now you do. Yeah. But before you, like, I, I was talking to my husband about this. I asked him before this cancer journey, did he ever, like, at CVS at the checkout and they go, hey, do you want to donate a dollar to St. Jude's while you're here? You know, and usually mom would say, and not this time, but it, it existed. It just mm-hmm. wasn't in our circle. Right. We just, it wasn't, it didn't hit us. It was just like, you know, it didn't, we didn't think about it. And I mean, why would we, right? Until right. it really mm-hmm. hits home, you don't, like when you buy a new car, it's not until you buy that new car that you see it everywhere, right? right. So I felt like instantaneously it was just a, a carnival and we were on the worst roller coaster yes. possible because mm-hmm. as Jess said, it was like, okay, surgery next day. Can I fucking think about this for a minute? You know, like, can I digest what you just told me? Because not only are we at a diagnosis, we're at a big C word cancer. We're at a child who is four years old. Come on. Like, this just doesn't happen. This is, as soon this as they said happen. that word cancer, though, that's, I just lost it. Because to me, cancer is always meant your time is short now. Yeah. So but. it was... It was nice to hear from him that 85%, I think he said 85 or 90 or something. I thought it was like 95. Yeah, it was somewhere around there. It was high. It was high. high. Because I remember thinking, oh my gosh, if I had those odds in Vegas, this is crazy. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. But it was still fighting that idea that, because when I was growing up, if you had cancer, any form of it, you weren't going to live long at all. And it was in adults. It and was, it was mostly in adults. adults. Yes. You yeah. never heard of it. And right. later on, I found out from my mom that one of her neighbors had, well, their little girl had cancer. We never even knew. Mm. She, or should they never let us know? That's how things were back yeah. in the day, though. They didn't yeah. share all that. Taboo. And I think this podcast is taboo a bit and why I wanted to do it because it's it's not out there. It's not common. It's not something you hear about all the time, but it's it's out there. And it's not entirely a safe space to go up to a stranger and just start talking about this. So um, it's hard for anybody to listen to it. It's still to this day. I mean, I think people for me, I feel like they don't want to mention her name or talk about it when it's cancer awareness month yeah childhood cancer yeah. breast cancer they start walking anything. on eggshells yeah. around you i feel it oh i feel it all the time and it's it's kind of funny but i mean i respect it that they're trying to be sensitive to uh-huh. what we went through yeah. so surgery yeah so they had to transport her to la yeah to the I hospital feel like in la even, i feel like even that was probably just an overwhelming situation because we're trying to, we're still trying to figure everything out. I was personally trying to figure out, you know, how am I supposed to tell her? What am I supposed to, what I am I and not supposed to tell her? And again, in that same situation of, I don't even know what's going on. How do I explain this when I don't even know what's going on? You know? And I think I've never had surgery, but I have to sit here and tell her, Hey, guess what's going to happen tomorrow? Surprise. You know, how am I supposed to tell her that? I don't even know the experience myself. Right. 
And I can't even say that I've know anybody that has had that experience. So how do I explain it in a way that she's going to be okay? Right. You know? So, and then on top of that, of course, they're going to transfer and they're like, so by the way, we can't transfer her with an IV in. So we're going to have to take her IV out. And then when oh, we yeah. get out of there, I remember we're going to have to put a new IV We in. fought, right? Yeah. We fought. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to do that. Yeah. But I mean, like, I understand there's rules and regulations for sure. a reason. I get it. Was but it that was they like, wanted us to drive out there so they would have to take the IV out? Otherwise, no, she has to go by ambulance? Because, yeah, because, like, I guess, I don't know the exact rules, but legally, uh, you can't leave the hospital with an IV in because oh, that's, okay. like, you know, a, a million things could happen yeah. with an IV in. We're not, and so, right, and they would be accountable because they let her go with the IV. And yeah. she wasn't going to let that happen again, poker no, again. No, I mean, she, she was having a hard time because this was starting to be consistent now. Yeah. Where yeah. she's like, I'm going to the doctor and I'm getting poked. Like, Bad experience no uh-huh, yeah. when I go. Uh-huh. So, so we were like, no. So the only option is that she has to get transferred by ambulance. Okay. So let me let me back up a little bit and, and talk about having to explain this. So you had mentioned before about a child life specialist. Was that mm-hmm. person, I don't remember if that person was still available to explain sort of the next step with her. Do you remember? I don't remember either. Uh-uh. And I, I know that we were getting pretty late into the night. That's right. That it was really late. Right. Yeah. And so, and I know that they're not there 24 seven. Right. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was at that point that she probably wasn't, but I, I can't remember. Yeah. I just remember them going by ambulance is an option. Let's do it. So it was an added pressure for you not having a, the resources available to tell her at that time what was going to happen. Yeah, And then being realistic too was like, she's not going to, She's going to have to get poked again. And she doesn't realize that tomorrow they're cutting her open, you know, like. My eyes just got really big. How do you, how do you even explain that? Right. Do you remember? I know that I tried to make it as simple as possible. I can't remember the exact verbiage that I used at that point, but I was just like, I just remember telling her, okay, they found, you know, a bump in your belly. Mm -hmm. So they're going to take it out. And so they're going to do surgery. and, And she started asking questions that made me like, oh. Because she was like, are they going to use a knife? Like, are oh. they going to, you know, and then like, well, yeah, they have to, they're going to use, you know, something to cut you and then take it out and they're going to close it up. <laughs> She's just like. She's so smart. Okay. She was so yeah. smart. Okay. She asked the right questions. Yeah. Like she, she understood at her age, she understood what all that meant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great stopping point for this episode. I want to thank you for joining us on our childhood cancer grief journey. We will continue the journey with you on the next one. Thank you, kid. Love you.